I want to talk to you about being alive to the wonder of what it means to be a child of God. Some time ago, I began to make some contacts with folks of different faiths and here in the metro area, and it actually took me quite a while to be able to build those bridges of trust, and I would have conversations like this, well, you know, I like you, let's have lunch, but I don't want you to try and convert me. And I go, okay, I'm not going to try and convert you. And by the way, you can't convert anybody. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So say amen, okay? For some of you, that may be a revelation. It's not my job to convert anybody. It's just my job to be a witness by how I live, how I talk, and to share my faith in Jesus. And so I I can always say, I'm not going to try and convert you. It's just the honest gospel truth. But I know in the background, the Holy Spirit is working. Can you say amen? He's he's just working there. Well, building these relationships have brought up a lot of interesting conversations. I watched last night because my wife, even though she's of Scottish descent, she is everything Anglophile. And um, I am so glad this stinking coronation is finally over with so we can just move on with life. But I was watching last night as as the new king of England, Charles, was taking these oaths and they were so biblical and and swearing allegiance to Jesus and kissing the Bible and I thought boy I really hope he believes all of that because this you just don't confess Christ as Lord and kiss the Bible and make these kind of confessions without being held accountable for those kinds of confessions that you make and so I was watching that and I so I would run YouTube back a little bit to watch it again and I was like this is pretty credible, and i got to be honest, I would have never watched this if it hadn't been for my wife. But it reminded me of a story that I had read some time ago in Christianity Today about a, a young Buddhist that came to know the Lord. I haven't met as many Buddhists through the years as I've met Muslims and Jews, but this young man, his name was Alexander Chu. Sounds like a designer, doesn't it? Sounds like a clothing designer, but Alexander's father is a, is a um, chemistry professor, in Lawrence, Kansas. His father is also a Guggenheim Award winner. He's a brilliant man. His mother's a tiger mom that insisted all of her children get A's. And as I read Alexander's story, he grew up in a home where there were 30 different portraits of Buddha throughout the house. He woke up every morning smelling the incense being burned as an offering to Buddha. And when he went to the, to the University of Illinois in Urbana, He had never even heard the good news of Jesus, though he lived in the heartland of America. He had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, didn't know anything about Jesus, and sovereignly, God placed him in a dorm full of some sold-out, spirit-filled, fanatical Christians. Can you say amen to that? That wasn't an accident. And so for a year, he was just overwhelmed with these, these young men's love and their devotion for Jesus. And so finally, he asked them, could he go with a meeting with them one night? He wanted to find out more of who Jesus was. And when he went to that meeting, never underestimate what God can do through you when you invite somebody to come to church. When we partner together and we come to God's house to worship and people hear the songs of faith, they see the expression of love. They hear the prayers and the word of the Lord. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Sometime during his sophomore year, 
Alexander decided he needed to know more about Jesus, so these students invited him to an apologetics camp that they were going to over one of their breaks. And so he went and he really wanted to know, was there a reason to believe? And so he learned why you could read the Bible and trust the Bible. He learned about the Trinity and Jesus. And the more he studied, he finally came to the place while he was reading John Stott's, and some of you have read this before, John Stott's little pamphlet, Becoming a Christian. And eventually, Alexander gave his heart to Jesus Christ and was marvelously born again, became a passionate follower of Christ. And he was asking these young folks to tell him, help him, and pray with him because he had to go home and talk to his parents who were devout Buddhists. Now, Alexander knew this could cause him. This is a recent story. This is not an old story. This is a recent story. Alexander knew this could cause him to be cut off from the family. And we were talking last night about people we know that have been cut off from their families, but they become so captivated by Christ. They become so in love with Jesus, and God has made such a difference in their life that they were willing to forsake it all and follow Christ. Some of you, like me, when you were younger, you used to sing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And there was another line in that that said, though no, gun, though no go with me, still I will follow. How many of you remember that chorus? Though no, none go with me, still I will follow. Well, Alexander made this decision. But he got a hold of a book published by InterVarsity, and he began to read the book, How to tell your parents about Jesus without dishonoring them. And so when his father came through one night when he was home in Kansas and he saw him reading the book, he was kind of moved by the fact that the book was honoring, well, about honoring your parents, but he was confused about telling people about Jesus. So he asked Alexander, and Alexander told him, he says, Father, I've become a Christian. I've decided to follow Jesus Christ. And then later, Alexander, who is now a pastor in the Chicago area, his family threatened to cut him off. But when his dad became ill, Alexander did something as a young single man that kind of blew everyone away. He moved back home, and he took care of his father and nursed him and his mother. And the fact that he lived out his faith softened and opened his parents' hearts to Jesus Christ. It's not my job to convert people. It's my job to be so totally in love with Jesus and live for him that his love spills out of our lives and spills into other people's lives. Can you say amen this morning? And this is why we're in this series because of we want stories in our congregation. I want a story like Alexander's story where a life where we're so obsessed with Christ where we're still so fascinated that Jesus loves me, this I know, where we're still so overwhelmed with the love of God that we just can't help but love him and express his love in everything we do. I have never been fascinated with dead or lukewarm Christianity. I've never been fascinated with people who just go through the rituals but I've always craved and longed not for an emotional experience, so I don't mind that. 
but that living reality of walking with Jesus, of songs that I heard from my childhood, songs like, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. I've wanted to be obsessed with that and to know and to experience that kind of life with Jesus Christ so that like when Charlotte, who made her home with Jesus in heaven this week, when I make my home with Jesus in heaven, he's not a story on a flannel graph. He's not a picture on a screen. He's not a story in a book. We've had a living, passionate life with Jesus Christ. And so yesterday I was calling and encouraging one of the young pastors from our church and talking with him over the phone. And he told me, he says, Pastor, I am so thankful that I was taught to celebrate God's love by persuading people to become, and say it with me, passionate followers of Christ. He said, it's made all the difference in my life. And my prayer for you and my prayer for my family is, Jesus, let us be obsessed with the love of the Lord. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me out of respect and reverence for the word. And then when I finish reading this passage of scripture this morning, if you will just say amen and receive it. Now, the story is of two of Jesus' disciples. They had lost their faith. They'd seen Jesus crucified. They knew he'd been buried, and they were discouraged, and they were disheartened. And in the story, Jesus appears to them, and they don't even know Jesus is there. And I have no doubts that some of you have not even sensed yet the presence of Christ, but I want you to know that Jesus is here. I have no doubt that some of you are listening in your car or watching at home or you're watching on your iPad in a dorm room or in a hotel room. I want you to know Jesus is with you this morning. And by the end of this message today, I want you to know this Jesus loves you so much that though you may not have come to him, he came to you. That's an amazing fact in itself. So let's pick up and begin reading. Then the two, the two disciples from Emmaus, told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. In other words, when Jesus blessed the bread and broke it, finally their eyes were open. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Look at your neighbor and say, peace be with you this morning. Now you tell them that back. Say, peace be with you. I feel like I'm in a Lutheran church this morning. Peace be with you, Scott. Isn't that good? It's not peace like the absence of conflict. It's shalom. It's the fullness, it's the abundance of the grace and the salvation and the healing and the blessings of God. When we say peace be with you, we're speaking the word of God over one another. That ought to make you want to just say hallelujah this morning. Peace be with you. That's what God says to you and me this morning. He's not talking about your sins this week. He's not talking about your failures this week. He's not talking about what you did wrong. Jesus is saying peace be with you this morning. Am I the only one getting a little happy up here today? Peace be with you. Well, the whole group was startled and frightened and thinking they were seeing a ghost. And some of you are going, well, what are you getting so excited about? It was because I've seen Jesus. And I'm telling you, as the song says, he's alive. And so Jesus looks at them and he says, why are you so frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. 
touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet and still they stood there in disbelief filled with joy and wonder. Would you say that with me this morning? Filled with joy and wonder. Say it again. Filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, oh, I like Jesus. Do you have any fried chicken to eat? And they gave him a piece of fried chicken, and he, I'm sorry, they gave him a piece, I would never do this to my best friend, they gave him a piece of broiled fish. If you fry it, I'll try it. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they washed, and then he said, when I was with you before, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Read this last sentence with me. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus, I want everyone here and everyone online to be filled with joy and wonder. But to do that, Lord, earlier I asked you to open our hearts. Now I ask you to open our minds that we can understand the word of the Lord. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. When our children were little, they loved the books Clifford the Big Red Dog. Any of you ever get those books for your kids? I have to be honest, going through the basement the other day, and we're trying to just pull some things together and minimize what we need to let go of, and that's kind of a hard thing to do, especially when it comes to memories. And I came across some of those Clifford the Big Red Dog books, and I sat down and had such good memories. One of the reasons we like those books is because Norman Bridwell would correspond with every child that wrote him a letter about Clifford the Big Red Dog. Bridwell said, if a child takes the time to write, he says, I need to take the time to respond. And that's the way Jesus is, with people who read his word, people who pray, people who give, people who share their faith, people who serve in the community, people who serve in ministry like Eleanor this morning, who just did a marvelous job keeping up with all your slide transitions, and she only got them this morning, yet, Eleanor, you did such a tremendous job. Those that are taking care of babies this morning in the back, and those that are taking care of children, Jesus just always somehow or another comes through for those who choose to love and to serve him. Because like Bridwell said about the children who wrote him, he says every child matters and every single one of you, whether you love him or whether you don't love him, every single one of you matter to Jesus. Every single one of you matter to God. When I pulled into the parking lot this morning and it was raining, my mind suddenly went back to one of the men in our church who ran our, our, our Alcoholics Anonymous ministry, a passionate follower of Jesus and Earlier this year, he went to heaven, and I miss Bob every week. And when I pulled in, Bob had always told me, he says, Pastor, if it's ever raining, don't park your car. Just pull up under, and I'll take your car and go park it for you because you don't need to look all dripping wet when you get into the pulpit. That had happened one time. And so Bob would always be there if it was raining. And this week, I talked with someone and says, Oh, I miss Bob, and here's how Bob helped me. And he served me. He, he was always there when I would be tempted to drink. He was always there when I had these temptations to go back to the bottom 
battle, and he would come immediately to be alongside of me. And the reason Bob would do that, and maybe the reason Bridwell corresponded with every child, was because Bob had been there himself. He had saw what alcohol had done to his life, but he saw what Jesus did to him, because Jesus never reminded Bob one time about his sins or his failures in life. He just continually loved and loved and loved Bob, and Bob continually loved and loved and loved other people. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that this morning? That's the power of somebody fascinated and obsessed, not with doctrine, and doctrine is important, and not with buildings, and buildings are important, but fascinated with what's most important of all, what the first thing of our faith is all about, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. My prayer is that we will come back to the place in life where we simplify life, where we get back to the gospel, where we live a life that is simply about Jesus Christ, that we're not so concerned about all the other things that block us from seeing Jesus or keep us from getting close to Jesus or somehow or another we get so concerned about rituals and rules and regulations that somehow or another we miss the wonder of what it be- means to be a child of God. I don't expect the little ones in the back to understand what it means to be a child of God. But sometimes I am so taken when children talk to me about Jesus and when parents tell me stories about how their children seem so close to Jesus when they talk about them. And maybe to simplify a good place to start is to have a faith that just simply accepts and embraces the fact, yes, Jesus really does love you. In one of President Carter's book, he talks about being asked to speak at the Southern Baptist Convention when he was president of the United States. The first speaker was Billy Graham. He said, and Dr. Graham stood up and gave an eloquent message of of what it meant to be a Christian and how he became a Christian. And he said, the next speaker was a truck driver that was sitting beside me. He's now, just think for a moment, you're a truck driver, you're sitting next to the world's most famous evangelist, and you're sitting next to the President of the United States, and the truck driver leaned over to me and said, President Carter, I am so scared, I don't know what to do, I think I'm going to throw up. And President Carter just kind of encouraged him, and when, when the truck driver was introduced, he came to the podium in front of 17,000, if I remember correctly, pastors and church delegates, and he spoke up and he said, you know, I, I, I'm just a truck driver. He said, I was an alcoholic, and he said, I was met Jesus Christ. He forgave my sins, and suddenly it was like the Holy Spirit loosened his tongue. He says, I didn't know anything about church. I didn't really know any preachers, so I just started going to the bar, and I started telling people what Jesus had did for me and how he set me free from my alcoholism, and the bartender said I was a nuisance and I needed to go, and the people in the bar says, no, he needs to stay. We want to hear, and they were laughing and mocking him, but he kept going back week after week to the same bar, and suddenly one or two guys got interested and out of that was born a ministry to truck drivers because this simple man would not give up on his faith in Jesus. He was so obsessed and so in love with Jesus, he just couldn't help but tell anybody that would listen. 
Then the president said, I spoke. He said, but after the service, nobody was talking about Dr. Graham, and nobody was talking about the president of the United States. Everybody was talking about how the truck driver moved him. There is something about people who have a simple faith in Jesus Christ and will share the love of Christ that can move a world. That's the power of the gospel. We have so glorified, and in some cases, sissified the apostles that we forget. They were men of the earth. They were men of the sea. They were not people dressed in flowing robes, but they were people lost in sin like you and I were, that Jesus called to himself. They knew about religion, but they didn't know the Lord. But through Jesus Christ, they came to know him. We forget about women like Mary Magdalene. We forget about those of whom Jesus cast out seven devils. We forget about the woman caught in adultery. When I read these stories and I meet these kind of people in life, there's a simplicity to their faith that has really, really began to challenge me, challenge me back to the core and the essence of what it means to be a Christian. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, strip down, start running, never quit, no extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Do you see what he says when you strip down, you start running and never quit? He doesn't give you a theological pattern. He doesn't give you an organizational pattern. He doesn't give you a business plan. He doesn't give you seven easy steps. He just simply tells you, keep your eyes on Jesus Christ this morning. And maybe somewhere in our lives, we need to ask ourselves one more time, how deeply am I in love with Jesus? Is my love growing? Is my love becoming more fervent for him than ever before? I was talking to a young couple this week, and boy, they just melted my heart. They've only been married a few years, and he said, Pastor, he said, you told us this would happen if we kept Jesus center of our marriage. But he says, it's really true. I mean, he looked like a dying calf in a hailstorm. He said, I love her more now today than I ever have in my whole life. He's obsessed with her. He's obsessed with his wife and his love for her. And there is an obsession that comes with you and I because the more I look at Jesus, the more I want Jesus. I told Becky when she came off the keyboard this morning, I said, you were distracting me this morning. She said, I was distracting you. I said, I couldn't take my eyes off of you. I finally had to look at the cross and re remind myself while I was here. I'm glad that she can still do that to me. Can you say amen? That's a good time to say that, man. Can you say a big amen? Next week is Mother's Day. Don't forget that. You'll thank me later. Jesus said in John 6 and verse 27, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. And he's not just talking about food, but don't be so concerned about perishable things. We get so concerned about perishable things and having them and paying for them, taking care of them and ensuring them that we lose sight and we lose focus of what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Do you love Jesus more than you love ministry? Do you love Jesus more than you love your church? Do you love Jesus more than you love your wife or your family? If a choice had to be made today, 
like many of the disciples and the early followers of Jesus Christ had to make? Would you be willing to identify with Christ and love Jesus and choose not to deny him and suffer for him and even be thrown to the beast in the Colosseum? Would you be willing to risk the acceptance of your peers and maybe even your family like Alexander Chu was? Because not every story ends up as beautifully and as powerfully as Alexander Chu's story does. I think one of the things that to simplify is to ask ourselves, what are the distractions? What are the encumbrances? What hinders us from being available to pray, to worship? What hinders us from being available to God, for him to use us, for us to serve, not only with children or in the media ministry or with the, the babies in the church, but to serve in our community, to help coach a little league team? I remember how Dave Pace, before he went to heaven, was so involved with the different softball teams and the girls' softball teams and the powerful impact that Dave made for Jesus Christ and he made for others because Dave was never ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One day, Dave called me and says, Pastor, can we meet at Bob Evans for, for breakfast one day this week? And so we went down, and we had an early morning breakfast at 6 o'clock at Bob Evans, and he just excitedly was telling me what God was doing in the parents' lives and the girls' lives. And he, he says, you know, Pastor, I don't even have to bring Jesus up. Sometimes they just want to talk to me about Jesus. When you're in love with Jesus, people know it. And that comes from a life of simplicity. I know, I deal with this all the time, I know the message of the cross is offensive. I know that the message of repentance is offensive. And I know that in America, a message of self-denial to take up your cross and follow Jesus is offensive. But here's why it's offensive, family. It's offensive because it cuts right through the heart of our vanity and it cuts right through the heart of our pride and it causes us to realize if it wasn't for Jesus we would be hopelessly lost and we would be nothing I didn't say you wouldn't have value I didn't say you wouldn't be loved because it's in that state that Jesus came to us and he gave his life for our sins at Calvary because we had value, and because we are loved. And that's what makes communion so wonderful. I am obviously not going to have time to finish this message. So next week, you only get a three-point message. Aren't you happy about that? I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to take the communion elements out of your uh, pews in front of you. Scott, would you bring me one of those over there, if you don't mind, please, sir? If you're watching at home, if you're part of this church, you know we always ask you to have juice and bread with you to take communion. And if you're not, uh, what weren't prepared, just stay with us for just a moment and just pray with us. But we're going to worship the Lord in prayer. There's nothing more simple than what you're holding in your hand. There's nothing more simple that Jesus could have given Actually, you may not realize it, but giving this to us ensured that rich or poor, everyone could participate. And yet, this morning, in some places in the world, people are taking this under the cover of darkness, 
people are hiding, people are risking their lives, risking their children's lives just to be able to receive this. I met this week with a missionary, an interpreter, and translator. He's telling me of a country that I won't call out the name right now. But he said, Pastor, it is illegal to own a Bible that the government doesn't print. I said, really? He goes, yeah. He says, you know the story of the woman called in adultery? He goes, yeah. He says, they've changed that story. He said, in the story, Jesus says, who will cast the first stone? And when nobody casts the stone, Jesus picks up a stone and he throws it at the woman. And then everyone gathers around and they stone the woman. And I go, why would they do that? That's one of the most powerful stories in the Bible. He says, because they want people to know there's a penalty for breaking the law. You and I have no idea, and I'm afraid our nation is forgotten. We have no idea what made this life possible that you and I joy, enjoy in America today. And it wasn't politics, because Jesus didn't come to improve your life. Look at me. Look right here. Jesus did not come to improve your life or my life. Jesus came to save our lives. And that's what this represents. His wounded, pierced body for you and for me. And his shed blood for our sins. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. And if there's something you just need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Maybe something that you just know that you need to say, Lord, forgive me. He will. He won't beat you up. He won't scold you. Maybe you spoke harshly to your wife. Maybe you made a false judgment. I'm sorry, Jesus. And that's all it takes. So, Lord, we hold in our hands something so very simple. This small wafer represents your body. I'm so in love with you, Jesus. And I can almost feel your hand upon us as a congregation this morning. Can you sense his presence? Can you feel his presence? That you're in the presence of the Holy One? If so, just say a quiet amen. Now, Lord, we ask you as we break this bread and eat it together, we remember you and we love you. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Let's break and eat. Hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you for your shed blood this morning. Wow. 
We thank you for your shed blood. Mm. You have made us of one tribe. You've made us a nation of priests unto the Lord. You have not been ashamed to call us your friends. This is my family, Lord. So as I take this simple sip of juice this morning, we take it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, not only will it refresh us in just a moment, but we'll remember that Christ is coming again soon. And you will eat and drink this feast with us in the kingdom of heaven. Let's drink together this morning. Hallelujah. Now, Father in heaven, I ask you in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone here or watching online that's just ready to simply do what Alexander Chu did, what this humble truck driver did, Lord, what Billy Graham and President Carter and so many of us have done here, Lord, and that is ask you into their life and commit their lives to becoming a passionate follower of Jesus. I pray that you'll grant them the faith to pray with me right now. If that's you, would you just simply pray this prayer with me today? Say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so much for loving me and for giving yourself for me not to improve my life, but to save my life. Oh, Jesus, I want to become a passionate follower of yours. And as much as I know how, I commit my heart and life to you today. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, if you prayed that, would you lift up your hand just so I can be praying with you this week? I promise you I will. Several hands around the building this morning. Just lift it up high right now. Lift it and say, yes, that's me. Don't be ashamed. No one's looking but me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise this morning. Would you do that? <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Those of you that prayed that prayer, please stop by the desk right through these double doors. See me at the back. I want to meet you, talk with you. Pick up a packet we have for you to help you get started as a new believer. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord smile upon you. May the Lord level out every mountain, raise up every plain, and may the Lord give you his perfect peace today. Go in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.